Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I want to hear about Dan's trips to America in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, spent a lot of time there. Uh, Did you really? Not really, no. Oh, no. Okay. I went on a few family. I had some family uh, living there, actually. They moved from Manchester, England to Manchester, Connecticut. What are the chances of that? Why and, uh, did they do that? Uh, I think he had a, a job to go to or something like that. It wasn't just like, let's go and live somewhere else. He, <laughs> he wasn't doing a tour of the Manchesters or anything like that. He wasn't trying to live in every Manchester in the world. No, no. no. Uh, so yeah, I went there a few times as a kid. I've not been since I was like 16 or something like that. So Okay. Yeah, it's been a while. It's, I, I, I realised I made that sound like I was sort of like... You're always backpacking in across America as a five-year-old boy or something yeah. for us. Yeah. I backpacked across America. Did you really? Yeah. And I Fair ran play. into some very strange people. Yeah? Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of that. Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's version of One Football Podcast is an actual real life before they were rich Manchester City fan, Dan Burke. Hello. Welcome back, Dan. Thank you. And podcast debutant, it's Emily Rauschitz. Hi, it's nice to be here. Did I get it right? Yeah, you did. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Anyway, a few parish announcements before we get going. We have a fancy new email address. If you want to get in touch with your praise, abuse or questions, it's podcast at onefootball.com. So if you want to email in under a different guys, Dan, and say how good you were, podcast at onefootball.com. I already do that. <laughs> <laughs> also, be sure to get onto iTunes, SoundCloud or your preferred mode of listening and let us know what you think of the pod. Anyway, the Premier League is back and that's the big news from the weekend. Uh, just before we get into that, I, w- I want to read the both of you something uh, which I read on Friday. The Premier League champions could hardly have asked for a more straightforward assignment to begin their title defence than hosting <laughs> Burnley. And we're sorry, Claret fans, but we just can't see past an easy home win. Sean Dyke's Sean Dyke's side had a formidable home record in 2016-17, but they only managed one win on the road all season and they were hammered 3-0 at Stamford Bridge around this time last year. Dan, those were your words on Friday. Yeah, egg on my face, right? My God. <laughs> I mean, Burnley have only managed one win away from home this season as well now. So oh, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've equaled their record for the whole of last season. That is true. But where did it go wrong? I mean, uh, it went very right for Burnley, but where did it go wrong for, for Manchester or for uh, Chelsea? Yeah, well, I think that Gary Cahill red card very early on. I think it was 14 minutes. They just completely collapsed after that. Um, quite embarrassingly so, really. I mean, all credit to Burnley. They played fantastically well. Um, scored some good goals. That Stephen Ward goal in particular was, was superb. Um, goal of the weekend? It was for me, yeah, for, yeah. from the Premier League, certainly. Um, yeah, Chelsea, it was, it was all a little bit worrying. I mean, they... They've, they've had a very uncertain summer. Um, Conte doesn't seem very happy with what's going on there at all. And it seemed like they'd kind of come through that a bit, a little bit. They made some signings. They've signed Bakayoko, who hasn't played yet, uh, Morata, uh, Rudiger. Um, I mean, I, I looked at them when we did our Premier League predictions and thought, I could see them win the league again this year, actually. And, you know, they still might. Um, but but what a, what a terrible start to the season for them that was. Um, I think the the sort of three two scoreline flattered them a little bit there. I think Burnley perhaps could have had a, a couple more goals. Um, they went very close. I think Robbie Brady hit the post right at the death. He did. Um, I think the one big positive to take from Chelsea is that Morato didn't start the game for some reason. In fact, it was Wilfred Boga who started the game and lasted eighteen minutes. I think he touched the ball three times and had to who? had to be brought off. Uh, Wilfred Boga. He's a a, a youngster. Um, made his debut in pre-season this year and made his Premier League debut and then when Cahill uh, got sent off he had to be taken off um, and then when Morata did come on he looked very good he scored uh, he got an assist um, and he, he looked really good 
so uh, I think he'll probably be starting the next game. They're away to Tottenham next week um, at Wembley. Without uh, Cahill? Without Cahill and Fabregas. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I'm, uh, Cahill, uh, it was a, a bad tackle from him that he got sent off for. Was uh, it a red card? I think it probably was. Yeah, he went over the ball. His studs were up. It's just, it's just, a, it's dangerous play more than sort of a really malicious tackle. Um, but Fabregas, you know, he must have rocks for brains for getting sent off for that that second yellow card. He's already on a yellow and he makes a tackle like that. And he looks like incensed that he'd been sent off. But it, what did you expect there? That's Sesc? a permanent look on his face. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, what about his first yellow card? I mean, how stupid is it to get a yellow card for clapping at the ref in a game like that <laughs> so early on? And then he continues playing in that manner. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't thought through. Mm. Uh, looking back at the game, what surprised me was how much space the Chelsea defence gave Burnley. I was just looking at the goals and every time it looked like the uh, Burnley had like hours and hours to finish. And this is a team who had the third best defence in the league last season. That's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, I think Cahill is quite central to that. I think he had a really good season last year and played played more often than not. Um, he's the captain now as well. Um, and I think he was a big loss going off in that game. I think Rudiger's a good player, but I think he's probably going to take a little bit of time to adapt to, to a new league and um, perhaps that showed at the weekend as well. Um, what I want to get back to, the point we're making, the young lad who uh, came on or who started for mm-hmm. Chelsea, what's his name again? Wilfred Boga, I believe it is. Is that is that Conte sending a message to the board, do we think? Is that him saying, look at what I've, look at these meagre resources I have here? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, because he did it in the Community Shield a bit too. He just had that, he had, you saw the Arsenal team lineup, which had about 50 players mm. or the Arsenal squad, and then they had Chelsea, which had just about the, the bare bones. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I, it, I think it is perhaps. Um, a little bit of a myth that Chelsea don't have, you know, have really depleted resources because that's there's a lot of money in that squad. But oh, you don't buy into it. Uh, it's just sort of become like an accepted fact over the summer. I don't really understand why. I mean, who they lost? They lost John Terry over the summer. Matic. Diego Costa, Matic. I mean, Matic. That is a, you know, we'll perhaps come on to that a bit later on. But that that was absolutely criminal. Letting him go to United. Really, he was he was mm. excellent on his debut yesterday for United, and um, I think he'll be a real big loss to Chelsea. Um, but when Bakayoko comes in, maybe he'll fill that hole. Um, I think they definitely need another forward if they're going to get rid of Costa. Um, but then, you know, that's a situation that I could possibly see resolving itself one way or another because um, there's a good chance that he won't he won't leave before the transfer window closes. He only wants to go to Atletico and they can't sign anyone. So I don't see how, how it's going to happen. Well, that. he said today he might see out his contract in Brazil. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he might just, you know, chill out in Brazil for yeah. a while and see how it all goes. Yeah. Emily, anything to add on the Chelsea game? Yeah, I was just personally really impressed with Morata, like you mentioned. I mean, he scored for his debuts in Spain and Italy, now in England. Um, I think he's really strong, and I, I I, can't wait to see how he fares in the Premier League this season. Diving header, too. <laughs> yeah, Everybody cracking. loves a diving header. Yeah. Our favourite of all the goals. One thing, I mean, there is a tendency, I mean, the, the fans were booing. There is a tendency to panic very early on. Mm-hmm. But we should note five of last season's first choice outfield 10 were absent. There was no Cahill for most of the game. No Moses, no Maddich, no Hazard, no Diego Costa. I mean, that's not panic. Yeah, that's it's, not panic it's very early days, fans. isn't it? I mean, th- th- there's a strong possibility that they could lose again next week, but it doesn't mean anything at this stage of the season, really. I mean, we shouldn't even be looking at league tables or anything until the, until about 10 games have been played of the Premier League, I don't think. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think there's this time to turn it around. I think they probably do need one or two signings before the transfer window closes. Conte is a fantastic manager, so I'd still be pretty confident. I prefer him in a suit. 
Yeah, he doesn't really suit a tracksuit, does he? a tracksuit man, no. is he? I don't know. I generally prefer my manager in, in a suit, yeah, I think. he looks quite sartorial in a suit, but in a tracksuit, it's... Uh, also, yeah. Italians in a tracksuit. <laughs> yeah. I know, he's Italian. It, it should be second nature to him. Yeah. I was wearing a suit over the weekend, and I definitely found, felt more... Uh, authoritorial, I would mm. say. Yeah. So I imagine it's only necessary for managers yeah. too. Anyway, first time Burnley, uh, first time Chelsea have lost to Burnley since 1971. What a start that is. What yeah. a start mm. that is. Anyway, speaking of shock wins, Huddersfield, they come up from the championship, everyone tips them to go right back down and they hammer the shit out of Crystal Palace. Yeah. Emily, you're shaking your head. <laughs> Yeah, I don't quite know what to say. I mean, Frank DeBurr's first game for the Eagles and uh, it just wasn't good. No, it wasn't, was it? They were a mess. <laughs> I mean, Huddersfield played it well. Um, you have to give it to them. They they took their chances. They finished well. Um, but Crystal Palace were a bit of a mess mm. all over the place. Yeah, they were. They played three at the back, um, which which the ball likes to play. It's a very Dutch system of playing with uh, Fosu Manso, who they've just signed from United on loan. He looked good. Yeah, that was an amazing tackle that he, <laughs> what a tackle he made that was. To, uh, to keep it. I think it was 2 0 at that point. So he sort of kept them in the game. Who for, was that against? Um... Uh, was it Steve Mounier? It was Mounier. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Who scored twice. He, uh, he, he maybe Mounier maybe made it a bit easier for him because he did there. Did yeah, bit. he did a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Palace also had uh, Jairo Riedewald, I think is how you say it, on his debut. Uh, they signed from Ajax. Uh, I think he'll be a really good signing, but he, he didn't have the, the greatest of debuts, but then no one no one in the Palace shirt did, really. Um, yeah, so, so it's... Um, it's been a bit of a tough start for De Boer there. I think mm. a lot of people are expecting big things from him to take Palace to the next level, and of course he still might. Um, but he's got he's got a bit of work to do there, I think. Well, once it goes better than his time at Inter, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that was shocking. Very short as well, wasn't it? So, um, well done, Huddersfield. Mm. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, I mean, as bad as Crystal Palace were, you still have to you still have to beat them. Yeah. Um, any other business worth mentioning? A couple of routine wins. Liverpool still rubbish at defending set pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my uh, highlight of the weekend was oh, definitely yeah. all the debut goals. Oh, I mean, yeah. You had Steve Mooney, Mounier. Yeah. You had Lukaku with two goals. Oh, yeah. Um, Lacazette scored. Mo Salah scored. I mean, there are all these players that came on in the Premier League first game and just mm -hmm. immediately showed their worth. I think that was quite impressive, actually. Nice to see so many debutants do so well. Mm. Yeah. It pains me to say it as a City fan, but I thought United looked pretty good yesterday. Uh, I thought West Ham were pretty poor as well, to be honest. But I think United. Um, that Matic, it's that Matic sign. Yeah, he was it? he was excellent, and Lukaku was really good as well. Pogba looks good uh, with Matic alongside him. Um, they've they've got a lot of quality United. And I, I can see, I can see this season being uh, what people thought last season was going to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. In terms of the uh, the two Manchester clubs being strong this year, I think I think we're going to see that. You ready for it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be very fascinating. Um, I'm not sure how my uh, my nerves will take it towards the end of the season. If but, yeah, I mean, don't, I wouldn't worry too much because I tipped Spurs to win the league. Of course, yeah, yeah, the dark horses. <laughs> well, they look good at the weekend. Well, they looked all right. Yeah. Who did you go for to tip to win the league? I'm just gonna have to say the Gunners are gonna win it this year. <laughs> oh, oh well. We can always. Stranger play. things have happened. <laughs> Leicester won it once. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Manchester City, oh, yeah. good that we have you here because mm. they had an interesting summer. 
They did. Actually, yeah. before we started in the summer, they had a interesting win over Brighton. Or was it? It was fairly routine, was it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it took them um, until the seventieth minute to score, and they didn't create too much. And it was I was a little bit worried at one point that it was going to be a game similar sort of game that we saw last season, where there's an awful lot of possession. They had seventy eight percent possession at the final whistle, City. Um, but just not really creating too many chances, struggling to break the opposition down a little bit. Um, Brighton had a couple of chances in the second half where if those had gone in, obviously it would have been a very different story. And then eventually City did get the breakthrough and, and it was it was sort of never in doubt from that point and Lewis Dunk ended up heading into his own net to sort of seal the, the win in the end. But it, I was a little bit disappointed with City's performance because when you looked at the starting lineup, I was like, wow, I what, tasty, what a team it? that is. Like, yeah. I don't think there's a better better eleven in the Premier League than that. And and, and they had uh, Sterling, Zane, Bernardo Silva and Yaya Torre on the bench. Mm. That's what's insane, right? Yeah, the depth of that they've got squad. real strength in depth now. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit, of, a couple of weeks for them to sort of hit that. Well, opening day, Brighton yeah. sort of up for it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't panic yet. No, I'm not. That's the <laughs> message of today's podcast is not to not to panic. <laughs> keep calm and carry on. Yeah, keep calm and carry on. Um, Guardiola and Wenger have said that Pep's side, uh, or at least they've indicated that Pep's side are the one to beat. I mean, you seem pretty confident about that. Yeah, I mean, the, a lot of people have, have tipped City as favourites this year. Um, I think when you look at the transfer business they've done, um, it's been very good. Um, I you think mean getting rid of Zabaleta? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? I watched him. I watched him at Old Trafford yesterday, and for United's first goal, he he um, moved up the pitch and, and got caught out of possession. He took about two weeks to get back into position. It was like, <laughs> I love you, Zaba, but I can see why we let you go now. It's, it's uh, yeah. See, this is what you couldn't see when you played for Manchester City. Well, I think I think even I started to admit last season that perhaps his uh, his legs had gone a little bit. Okay. Um, and then you know a lot of people have sort of ridiculed City for spending fifty million on Kyle Walker this summer. Yeah. Um, but I think we've already upgraded massively there in terms of just having quick fullbacks and. Well, he can run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Pep at the weekend, uh, he played back three of company, Otamendi and Stones with uh, Walker and Danilo as the wing-backs and they mm-hmm. ha- they were hardly in their own half. It, it, they, yeah. they played like wingers, um, get bombing forward and um, I think that I think City will just be a, a much better team this season because of having having spent that money on those full-backs. Okay, so you're pretty happy then with the summer transfer business? Yeah, delighted. I, I wouldn't mind, uh, I wouldn't say no to a Alexis Sanchez or a Kylian Mbappe before the, the transfer window well, closes. Well, should I sum it up so far? Uh, it's been Bernardo Silva from Monaco for 43 million, Edison from Benfica for 34.9 million, Walker from Spurs, as you say, from 45 million. This is all pounds. Uh, Danilo from Real Madrid for 26.5 million, and Mendy from Monaco from 49.3 million. So Guardiola has spent. Just shy of 200 million since he arrived at Manchester City. Were he to get Alexis Sanchez for the fee you would expect Alexis Sanchez to join for, he would be up to a quarter of a billion at Manchester City alone. (laughs) That's insane. I mean, I looked at some of the stats for Man City yesterday and three of their top six most expensive signings all came this window. And that just shows the insane amounts that he's been spending mm. this this three summer. from six three of the top six yeah clubs wow i mean psg have just spent nearly a quarter of a billion on one player haven't they so it's sort of <laughs> it's yeah. all gonna be daft this summer i think um 
I mean, the thing the thing about as, as I touched upon the, the fullbacks is City hadn't spent any money on fullbacks since 2012 prior to this summer. It was long overdue, and <laughs> and with Walker, they spent a lot of money on him in particular. I mean, no one nobody's sort of really said too much about Mendy. Yeah. I think they sort of appreciate what a good player he is. Whereas Walker, people are a little bit skeptical. But you always pay a higher price for English players because they fill that homegrown quota in the squad as well, which is very important. And City always pay more money than a lot of other clubs because clubs know that City have the money and will yeah. pay the money to get the players. So it's the problem Barcelona are, are going to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, I guess the main question for Pep this season is if he can fix that defence. Because yeah. there was a real lack of cohesion last time around, wasn't there? There was, yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't think it's going to be something that will play every week, but this this three five two formation, um, and I know they were only playing Brighton, but, but City looked very solid. Um, I think if company uh, can stay fit throughout the season as well, that will have a huge impact on City defensively. Um, because he he just he just marshals it so well, and he, he looks uh, touch wood like a new man at the moment. Like he looks like he might finally be over these injury problems. And oh Lord, don't say yeah, it, they're playing Hirona in a friendly in midweek this week. So if he mm. plays, you can guarantee he'll probably get injured for the season. After I've said that now, but <laughs> that'll be that. Quote <laughs> yeah. him again, like at the beginning of this podcast. Take so, it out. Yeah, quote yeah. You. yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> we'll definitely keep that in mind. Uh, there's quite a lot of talk on Manchester City. Uh, one more question, I guess, for you is, should City finish this season without a trophy? Which, to my mind, is pretty much unthinkable. What happens to Pep? Um, <laughs> I, think he'll, I think he'll stay for the three years of his contract, whatever happens. If he doesn't win a trophy this year, I think he'll get another season. Um, I don't see the club having spent so long going after him and kind of building the club around him for them to just get fed up with him after two years and say right well that's it we're going to get somebody else in um, he's got a three year contract I think I, I mean I think even if he doesn't win a trophy in three years and he, if he wanted to stay he, he'd probably be allowed to he'd probably be given that that chance yeah yeah I genuinely do Emily's, I, I think, Emily's scrunching up her I, face I know, here she doesn't, look, she doesn't look so sure I mean as, a, as an Arsenal fan <laughs> not going to defend keeping bad coaches on for too long <laughs> but um, I don't think he'll stay after the season if he doesn't if they don't win a trophy I don't see it happening. Man City has spent so much money on good players and has been trying to battle for the top in the competitions for a few years now. I think they'll get frustrated if um, if by the end of the season there's not one trophy that they can lift. Where do you go after Pep? Um, That's a rhetorical question. Yeah, I don't know. What's Frank Clark up to these days? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter because we're going to win the quadruple this year anyway. So. <laughs> Okay, uh, <laughs> let's take a quick musical sting and we'll come back and talk some transfers. Now, I mentioned before, you can email us at podcast.onefootball.com if you've got any questions. And we have one in from Benjamin Scott. Would you believe? Just wanted to let you know, I listened to your podcast today for the very first time and thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much. However, I found some of your evaluation of Bayern to be a bit off base. We can blame Helga for that. He's not here. <laughs> yeah. uh, regardless, keep up the excellent work. I don't really know how your podcast works, but I'd be thrilled if you consistently cover the Bundesliga. Well, we will cover it again in a, in a few moments. Uh, P.S. Here's a potential question for a future podcast. Which team or teams do you think won the transfer market this summer? Emily. So I'm not sure there's been, I mean, the obvious answer is PSG. And, yeah. and they've signed the most expensive player in the history of football. Um, and that's a win, for sure. Uh, I personally think that maybe not so much the teams or players even have won this transfer window, um, but it's the people 
you don't hear so much about the agents, mm. the people working behind the investors, the people who are cashing in on those huge sums that are being transferred or not transferred, but weirdly pushed around from Qatar to Barcelona. Um, so I think that's definitely, that's definitely interesting. And I, I think that's what my attention has been on. Yeah. And I think if, if PSG get Mbappe, which they will, unfortunately. <laughs> and Sanchez, I mean, we were talking on the way here that it's, it seems like Sanchez is, well, it, he is in Paris at the moment. Mm. I don't think he's just on holiday there. So <laughs> it's no. very possible that they're going to sign him as well. You were saying he flew from Luton Airport. He did. He, uh, it was a private jet, apparently, uh, as spotted by the rapper and Arsenal fan Lethal Bizzle. Oh, Lethal Bizzle is an Arsenal fan? He is, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, why didn't he get the Channel Tunnel? <laughs> I think he was trying to be incognito until he gave the game away on Twitter. Um, I'll, I'll talk about this now because people yeah, well, you might talk about this. Thing, yeah. Basically, yeah, he was uh, on Sunday. He was uh, he replied to a tweet from an American uh, singer songwriter from the 1980s called Richard Marks, who uh, he must be a fan of uh, somehow. Demo's putting his thumb up there. He knows he knows all about Richard Marks. Um, Demo's probably produced his album, probably yeah. Uh, and uh, he ha- he forgot to turn the geo tagging off on his uh, uh, his Twitter, and it's it said that he was tweeting from Paris. Silly boy. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about was, uh, or is, Ousmane Dembele. For those who missed this, he has been at Dortmund for a season now, wonderful player, no doubt about that. He has all the attributes that that fans like to see. He's electric, quick, bags of tricks, sets of goals, score goals, and with ease, he switches from left to right. It's just phenomenal. But of late, he has been linked with Barcelona, as we all know about that. There was the bid from Barcelona for 90 million euros. 20% 20% of which goes to Ren, I'm told. Hmm. Uh, he didn't show for training. He was suspended for the weekend and fined. And he's been suspended again. Is that right, Emily? Yeah. So actually, he's just um, had a continued suspension. And okay. Dortmund had us all going crazy on Saturday because they announced that on Sunday they would have talks with um, Dembele and um, make an announcement concerning his future. So Sunday morning, here we are waiting for the big, he's leaving or he's staying. Mm-hmm. And then they announce... He continues to be suspended. That was it? That was it. <laughs> Not much to get excited about, is it? No. So currently, apparently, he won't speak to Dortmund, only through his agent. He won't participate in individual training. He's not allowed to participate in the team training, and Barcelona have yet to make a higher bid. Hmm. What do you make of all that? Is that acceptable behavior? I mean, I don't think so. Um, I have to say, I think Barcelona's at fault a little bit. I'm sure they've been putting pressure behind him to put pressure on Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think a player can ever be in a situation where he says, I'm not speaking to the agents of my current club. Like, I refuse. I don't think that's acceptable in any way. And Dortmund has its, has their right. Uh, and Dortmund has the right to ask for more money for Dembele. I mean, if you look at the sums that are being thrown around from Bappe, who's a very similar player, um, that's almost twice the money that we're speaking of. So... I think they're right to insist on a higher bid for him. How do you how do you see it working out? Do you think he'll stay at Dortmund or do you think that's there's no is there a way back? I mean, I don't think there's a way back. Modest had a similar situation with uh, Cologne earlier this summer and um then he was going to stay and then there was more fight and then he ended up leaving and I think there's a point when you've burned all the bridges and Dembélé might have reached that. Dan, you're looking very pensive there. Yeah, I mean I I sort of I think it is pretty 
pretty shitty behaviour on his part, really, um, whenever a player kind of does this thing. Um, but equally, I would say football is a little bit sort of strange in that you don't really get this situation in other industries. If if, if you wanted to leave your job in any other industry and, and mm-hmm. go to go to a different company or whatever, you, you'd be allowed to, wouldn't you? And I can see there being more... Well, you've got to work at a certain period of time, I guess. Well, but, yeah, yeah, you've got to give a bit of notice, haven't you, and, and that sort of thing. But I can see the sort of uh, Neymar situation reoccurring quite a bit I can see players starting to buy out their own contracts in future mm. to, to get the moves that they want and, and being compensated in other ways by the clubs and it's all a little bit shady but I, don't, I mean I, I just don't really see the point in keeping a player keeping hold of a player who wants to leave your club really no, it, it hurts and it's it's not ideal um, especially so close to the end of the transfer window but I think I think Dortmund should just let him go and I was I was just going to say, I think that's the problem, uh, that it's so late in the transfer window. And I mean, it's unbelievable that Barcelona have been in denial so long about Neymar leaving, because they must have known uh, if Neymar has been so intent for leaving since, mm-hmm. I think they said Messi's wedding, it was already clear, that's the end of June. They had to have their alternatives lined up and to wait until August, mid-August, to get their replacement. I think um, mm. no one can blame Dortmund that this late in the transfer window, they don't want to let him go. No. Well, there you go. I think that's that pretty much... Pretty much covered. Uh, we should probably talk a bit of football. You know, not transfers. Um, Emily, you watched El Clasico over the weekend. Unfortunately, I did. <laughs> was it? I, did, I mean, I saw some of the highlights. I, I mean, mean, I wasn't. I have to say, I was in bed by about ten fifteen last night. So uh, I just, I did just watch the highlights. <laughs> I'd had a heavy weekend. I'd watched Iron Man in. Uh, I was in Hamburg for the weekend, and I watched the Iron Man competition. Took it out of me. All that clapping. <laughs> But you watched it, Emily. It was probably better to watch Iron Man for the first half. Okay. Um, not gonna lie, it was very, um, it was very slow. Both teams didn't seem up to speed yet. They were kind of trying out things. Barcelona seemed very, very nervous. Um, you could tell that the whole team was unsure about how they were going to fill the Neymar gap on the field, and Messi just didn't have anyone on the field. I mean, he was brilliant. He played his usual game, but you could tell that he didn't have anyone on the pitch that he felt was up to par with him. Suarez at times, um, but as good as Suarez is, I mean. He's no Neymar either. Um, so I think Barcelona looked very weak. Real Madrid kind of just waited and saw how things developed. And then Piquet's own goal. I mean, you got to feel bad for that man. <laughs> He's probably the worst person to score an own goal for right. Barcelona against Real Madrid. And Ramos must just have had the greatest time. Um, and it was an unlucky own goal. Marcelo just crossed it in and um, he just Piquet, foot caught it. Yeah, yeah, he just threw himself in the middle. Okay. What about that Ronaldo goal? <laughs> Woof. I thought the Asensio one was actually better. Yeah, absolutely. What? Yeah. yeah, the third one I thought was better. It was pretty good. Ronaldo's was great, don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, and you you were particularly impressed with his, uh, particularly... his physique, were you not? Well, <laughs> every time Ronaldo takes off his top, I feel, as a, a man of a certain age, I feel incredibly inadequate <laughs> because <laughs> it's, I mean, you could do anything with those apps. They are... Fantastic. But it's just like he's ripped. Like he's really ripped. Yeah. We need to stop talking about footballers' bodies. Last <laughs> week we were we were uh, getting hot and heavy over Kalasnic. <laughs> anyway, that wasn't the only thing that Ronaldo did, was it? Oh, that yellow card. Well, he got a yellow card for taking off his top. Yeah. And then he got a second yellow card for, what was it, for diving? For a dive, wasn't it, yeah. basically, yeah. Okay, and then... Fill in the gaps. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I just can't go through this podcast without saying how ridiculous it is to get a yellow card for taking off your shirt. I oh, mean, yeah. It's just 
especially in an important game where there's any situation that could still cause for trouble. And the second yellow card, it wasn't. Honestly, I mean, nice support Barcelona, I can say this hands down. Um, I don't think it was a dive. I don't think it was a penalty. The ref could have just let it play on. Mm -hmm. um, so it was unjustified. But the shove, I mean, Ronaldo went up and shoved the referee after the decision. And you can't do that. You can't. And what's going to happen to him? Well, four to 12 games. That's what they say. They're going to ban him. Um, depending on the length, it'll e either be only for the Supercopa, which means he couldn't play the Supercopa for the next two, Ever again, three probably. years. Yeah. Um, Wait, the ban if, could just apply to the Supercopa? Yeah, <laughs> if it's uh, five games or less, it's just the Supercopa. Oh, if Lord. it's more than that, it's through all competitions in Spain. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, the conspiracy theorists in Madrid are going to be going into overdrive <laughs> here, aren't they? Yeah, of course. After the penalty <laughs> and that red card. I don't blame him for being annoyed there because that was, I mean, the, the Barcelona penalty was an absolute joke wasn't oh, that it was that the was worst terrible, decision terrible decision and that referee in general I mean he was flashing yellow cards all over yeah, the place I think he showed five in the first half yeah. he just seemed like he wanted to be it was a bit Clattenburg-esque you know he wanted oh, to be okay. a bit about him and I think yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he enjoyed sort of being at the in the middle of it all okay. a bit too much anything else to add about the Classico I mean Wednesday is the second leg of it oh yeah they're going to play in the Bernabeu um I don't really that makes see. that makes the defeat even worse, doesn't it? Three one at home. At home, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And they're not turning that around in the Bernabeu, I think. I mean, quote me on that next week, but Okay, we definitely will. Um, I, I couldn't get over the kits why Real Madrid wore oh, the third no. kit and it, it it sort of I mean we watched it on TV obviously and it clashed a little bit on TV, mm. I thought. Um Huddersfield did this against Crystal Palace. I yeah, that's right, actually. Yeah, yeah the home kit would have been fine. Yeah, 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 despite no clash whatsoever. Yeah, strange. I have a question for both of you, and we just have one or two minutes left to answer, and it's quite a big question, so I don't know if I, could, if I should spring it <laughs> what on. What is the meaning of life? No, <laughs> second to Football. that, um, is this the sort of beginning of the end for this Barcelona, this version of Barcelona? I mean... Or has that started ages ago and we're just sort of recognising it now? Yesterday's Barcelona reminded me of the Madrid of a few years ago. They had all the top stars, they had big names, they had good footballers, but it just, it just didn't work out. And Real Madrid is a machine at the moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, hands down, they're efficient. Their turnovers and counterattacks are the best in the world right now. Um, at the moment, with this squad, Barcelona don't stand a chance, I think. In La Liga? Uh, against Real Madrid. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely need to sign some players. I think if they get Coutinho and Dembele before the end of the transfer window... They'll probably be okay. I, I found the appointment of Valverde a little bit underwhelming, personally. Yeah, me too. Um, I know that perhaps for a club like Barcelona, the sort of signing huge name coaches isn't as big a deal as signing big name players. Um, but I'm not. I'm not convinced about him really. I, I, you know, I'm willing to be proved wrong, but I just I, I could see that going a little bit awry that that appointment. I think the biggest problem Barcelona have right now is their midfield. I mean, they had no one who took control of the game. Andres Iniesta, he, he had some brilliant moments, but he's a shadow of what he used to be. Uh, that, actually, hurts, that hurts me so hard it, when I say that. It hurts a lot. And actually, Isco yesterday reminded me a lot of what Iniesta used to be. He took the ball, he distributed it. He basically did whatever he wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and he had complete control. I mean, with the assist as well to Ronaldo, that was fantastic. Uh, they need to replace Iniesta. And how do you do that? Goodbye, Isco. <laughs> He'll only cost you 700 million. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Dan, Emily and producer Damo. Uh, we're taking a well-earned summer break next week, but we will be back after that and in full swing for this season. Uh, speak then and thanks for listening.